the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Others would say, God's angry. I must have done something. I literally had someone say this to me within the last week. I've messed up so much. God would never forgive me. He he doesn't love me anymore. That's not true. That's wrong. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So we were meeting down at our church, and Uncle Tris said, Hey, Paul, do you want to jog back to your house? Now, not only did I not jog, if I had jogged, that would be further than I had ever jogged. It was a couple of miles. But not knowing what I was doing, I said, Sure, Uncle Triz. And we began to run. We hadn't gotten too far, and I thought I was going to die. I had a pain in the middle of my gut. I could hardly breathe. I didn't know if I could make it. I said, Uncle Triz, I've got to stop. And it's that day that he taught me something, something that I would utilize later in high school as I ran cross country, something I'd remember as I'd go through life. He taught me about the second wind. He said, no, Paul, I'm telling you, if you just push through it, if you keep running, it'll get better. You're going to get a second wind. That day, sure enough, that happened. I continued to push through, and I made it back home. And that's what James is telling us. When we go through life's testing times, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's trying, but those difficulties strengthen us. They grow our muscles. They create us to be that person God wants us to be. Maybe you've seen what takes place when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon and that cocoon becomes that chrysalis that then births that butterfly. If you've never seen that process, you could probably Google that after the service and watch it. It's amazing. If you see that butterfly trying to come out of the chrysalis, you're probably going to feel sorry for it. It looks like it's trapped. It looks like it needs help. And you could give it help. You could tear apart that chrysalis and free that butterfly, but I would need to tell you something. You would destroy its life because that's part of the process. And some of you are going through a life testing time, and and you're thinking, if only I could be delivered, whatever that means. If only I had the mate I wish I had. If only I had the job I wish I had. If only I was through this educational pursuit. If only my finances were in order. God would just deliver me instantly. Then I would serve him. And yet maybe God's saying, no, I'm doing something in you. I'm building this spiritual muscle. It's spiritual maturity. Because as we endure, we mature. So what about you? All of us, when we hear the word testing time, we can think about something in our lives. And maybe you're going through it now. 
Are you maturing? So we have the realization of life testing time. I mean, we're going to face it. Uh, we've, we've not only got that, we've got the results of life's testing time. If we make it through, we mature. We're better for it. So then we've got to ask, what would our response be to life's testing times? And the truth is, our response to life's testing times shapes our destiny, doesn't it? It determines what our future is going to be. Just look at our nation right now. This is a moment in time where we have to decide, who are we? Will we stand for right? Will we stand against racism? Will we stand for justice in every form and fashion? Because the decisions we make today, our responses, they will shape our destiny. I've watched as people for 25 years have navigated life's difficulty, those testing times. And and there's all kinds of ways people try to put God in a box in the midst of this. For example, some go through a difficult time and say, God is dead. He's irrelevant. He's uninvolved in my life. I would just tell you that's a wrong answer. Others would say, God's angry. I must have done something. I I literally had someone say this to me within the last week. I've messed up so much. God would never forgive me. He he doesn't love me anymore. That's not true. That's wrong. Some would say, God's just whimsical. He's unjust. He's unfair. It really doesn't matter. He's going to do what he wants to do. That's an inaccurate theological understanding of God. And others would say that God's just ignoring their prayers because they haven't done something right. They didn't pray the right way. And maybe someone told you, you don't have enough faith. Or maybe you haven't given to their ministry. Hogwash. All of those are lies that pull us away from the one we need most, our God. Our our response must not be to pull away. Our response must be to lean in and to find him. And that's why James gives us this practical wisdom. So let me give you the first of the three action words I talked about. But first, let me remind you of the verses they come from. Verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. So here's the word, rejoice. Wherever you are right now, just say that. Say rejoice. Now that's a paradox, isn't it? Life is full of trouble. There are difficulties. You're going to face testing times. So rejoice. Doesn't seem to make sense. Till you dig in a little deeper. James is not saying be happy. Now that would be silly. But our happiness comes from what happens to us, right? So if I get a good grade, I'm, I'm happy. If I get a pay raise, I'm happy. If I get the love I want, I'm happy. If I have a good doctor's report, I'm happy. That's not what this is about. This is about joy. It's the same thing that Paul tells us in Philippians when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He goes on to say, So be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Rejoice. How do you do that? Well, James gives us the way to rejoice. 
And it's all tied up in the words he used. He says, count it joy. Count it joy. Count is a mathematical term. He's saying, do the math. It's an accounting term. He's saying, add it up. You've got to make a conscious, deliberate decision that in spite of the circumstances, you're going to be joy. He he doesn't say, feel it all joy. A lot of us are guided by our feelings. But we have all kind of feelings, don't we? You came in today or you began watching this today with different emotions. And those are based on what you've probably been through already this morning. It's like that baggage that you pull behind you when you go through the airport. It's like the cargo in a semi-tractor trailer truck going down the interstate. That cargo is like our emotions. But that cargo is never intended to control the direction of the journey. What happens on an interstate if a big old truck is controlled by the cargo it's pulling? It becomes unstable. It goes from lane to lane. It could cause a crash and all kind of collateral damage. No, we're not guided by our emotions. We're not guided by our feelings. We're not guided by our cargo. We make a conscious decision to count it joy. But notice he also says count it all joy. Because he didn't want us to think we could leave some things out. Be joyful except for this. Be joyful unless you go through that. No, in everything, in the good times, in the bad times, in the happy times, in the sad times, in the difficult, testing, troubling moments of life, choose joy. Now, what if you don't? Well, you just really have to turn back one page to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, and you can see what happens if you don't choose joy. Notice what it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, by it many become defiled. The Bible tells us that God's grace is sufficient, His grace is more than enough, grace, grace, God's grace, it's amazing, isn't it? But did you know you can exhaust the grace of God? You exhaust the grace of God when you choose fear or pain or bitterness over joy. Now, as I read that verse, some of you had somebody come to mind. Somebody that's walked through a difficult circumstance, maybe a difficult marriage, maybe a job loss, maybe a diagnosis, some kind of trouble in this world. And instead of choosing joy, they became bitter. And they're now an angry person. Oh, don't let that be the case. You say, how do I keep that from happening? Well, go back to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus. Say this, say, look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the perfecter, the founder of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now think about that for a moment. He's the perfecter. What did James say he wants in us? He wants us to be perfected. How do we get perfected? We look to the perfector. And the perfector for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Is that crazy? 
Was Jesus saying, boy, the cross is going to be happy. No, on the cross, the criminal's cross, he took your pain. He took your shame. He took our punishment. That was not a happy place. But he was looking past the cross to the resurrection. He was looking beyond Friday to Sunday. He was looking past the moment of his pain to the moment of your pleasure for eternity and praise of him in heaven. That's how you experience joy. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Had this illustrated to me this week. I had gathered with a group of of pastors to pray, a multiracial group of pastors. And we were praying through Isaiah chapter six. And the the one who was leading our prayer said, I have to apologize, but I lost Wi-Fi. So all I have on my phone here is the King James version. So I'm going to live it, read it from the King James version. And, And he began to read from Isaiah chapter six, verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord seated on the throne. And if you know, Isaiah chapter six, this is a passage where the the angels come and Isaiah cries out to the God, holy, holy, holy Lord. Lord God Almighty, and he, he, he thinks, man, God, you're high, and I'm low, and oh, God, send me forth to do whatever you want in my life. But when he read this, I was captivated by that first phrase. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, because the, the translation I was reading left out that little word also, and I thought, God, that's it. That's how we do this. That's how we make a difference. We also see the Lord. We see the world around us. We see the difficulty. We see the challenges, but we also see the Lord. As you go through the challenges of life, I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ, don't turn a blind eye to the trouble of the world. Don't turn aside from the difficulties you're facing, but also see the Lord. And when you do, you will rejoice. Rejoice. But then secondly, I believe James is telling us to request. Request. What do we request? Wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? Because we don't understand. When you go through a testing time, you're thinking, I don't get it. I've been trying to live for you, Lord. I've been trying to honor you with my life. What happened? I don't get it. So we cry out to God and say, help me make sense of this. You know what the Bible calls that? Wisdom. So James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, what do you do? Let him ask God. That word lack is also an accounting, accounting term. It's the word that would describe you if you got that insufficient funds notice. You didn't have enough to cover in your account what you needed to do. So you're going through one of life's circumstances and you say, God, in my mind, I have the insufficient capacity to walk through this. 
So give me wisdom. Help me make sense of this. And what does it say? God gives it generously, without reproach. What does that mean? Well, maybe you could understand it a little better from this translation. Listen to it. It says, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help, and and you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. So you don't have to worry about saying, God, give me wisdom, and him saying, you dummy. You figure this out on your own. No, you cry out to God for wisdom, and he'll say, absolutely. And he'll begin to make sense of those things in your life that you can't make sense of. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll show you the way. Do you understand what wisdom is? Proverbs talks about wisdom in almost every chapter. But wisdom is more than knowledge. It's more than just knowing right and wrong. Wisdom is knowledge and the capacity to use it. So you know the answers. But you also know what to do with those answers that you have. And you can depend on him to give you that wisdom. That's what he specializes in. In fact, I love 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. You're going through one of those testing times. The Lord knows how to deal with it. He's got your back. If that's not enough, look again at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation. And we've talked about before that in Scripture, those words trials and temptations are often used interchangeably. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he provides a way of escape. You know what that means when you're going through that testing time, when you're going through that trial? He's saying to you, I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to walk you through, but you've got to trust me. And that leads us to that third action word. So the first one is rejoice. Say rejoice. Second one is request. Say request. And the third word is relax. Relax. You've got to trust him. You've got to have faith that he's going to do his job. Now, isn't that interesting? If you want to grow in faith... You've got to have faith. So look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a way of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So James is saying, you want to grow in wisdom? You want to mature through the testing times in faith? At the end of the day... You've got to choose to trust. I love Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. They've guided my life for so many years. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, if you lean not into your own understanding, if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path. I can remember like yesterday, a time that Kimberly and I were getting away for a few days. And this is one of those trips that it required a flight. We were flying into Atlanta when we noticed that outside a storm was raging. And remember, every one of us are either coming out of a storm, we're in a storm, or we're headed into a storm. The storm was raging outside of that small plane, and it was going up and down. As it began to go up and down a little bit, Kimberly began to grip my arm tighter and tighter and tighter. 
But as the storm began to rage, we then began to see lightning outside. And the lightning was lighting up that dark sky because it was night. And then something happened. There was a big bam. (laughs) Scared you, sorry. There was a big bang and lightning had clearly hit the plane and it shook. And Kimberly's nails went into my arm, piercing. In that moment, I sought to calm her a little and then we prayed. Things eventually smoothed out. And then the captain came on. You know what he said? Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. That was fun, wasn't it? He said, our plane was just hit by lightning. If you think it was exciting back there, you should have been up here. We had quite the show. But he said, I I want you to understand something. This little plane was built to withstand that. Everything's okay. We're going to get you safely to your destination. Prepare yourself for landing. We're in our final descent now. Hey, I I know that in our lives we're going to go through these testing times, these trying times, these difficulties in life. There are going to be moments where you feel like the world is shaking around you and everything's about to fall apart. But you've got a captain who has created all that is. And in those moments, he wants you to understand that he's got it. You can trust him. Yeah, cry out to him for wisdom. Say, Lord, help me make sense of this. And then relax and trust you, trust him that he's going to get you through that which he's brought you to. And here's how I know that. Because we not only have a a realization, we not only have results, we not only have a, a response, We have a reward in light of life's testing times. And you know what the reward is? The reward is that there's always blessing on the other side of testing. How do I know that? Look again at verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him if he withstands the test. Let me read that again from a different translation. It says, if your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. What's the reward? The reward is that you and I get to pass the test. These things called testing times, we get to go to the other side and we get to pass them. That crown of life is the Greek word Stephanos. That's kind of cool because we think of the name Stephen. And Stephen really was the first one to get that crown of life, that crown of persecution of martyrdom. We read about how his life was taken at the hands of an executor. And Stephen, as he was dying, faithful to the end, 
was able to see the Lord Jesus open heaven and welcome him home. You know why that's so important? Because in life's testing times, sometimes the answer is not on this side of heaven. Sometimes we don't pass by having everything work out here. I wish I could tell you otherwise, but I would be leading you astray. Sometimes in this world, we have tribulation that crushes us. But thanks be to God, we have a God who has overcome this world. That's why it's so important that you understand the significance of the hope you have in heaven. The ultimate promise in the midst of life's testing time is the promise of heaven. Knowing that whatever happens here, there's blessing on the other side of testing. Let me ask you a question. Do you have that confidence in the hope of heaven? If your life were to end today, would you know for certain that you would spend forever with Jesus in heaven? If not, why not make that certain right now? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.